I'm super excited we have all of us together and we get to study God's word and I can't wait to dig into it. And we are beginning what we're calling the house of study where we want to take you deeper into understanding God and understanding the Bible. And so we're doing a series now called The Names of God. And uh, we initially thought that would be seven weeks. It may be nine, it may be 10. Uh, You'll understand in a minute why it could grow. Uh, But I'll never forget a time that I I, I had an afternoon that was supposed to be filled with appointments and all of a sudden they're freed up. That hardly ever happens. And I said to Pam, I'm going golf. I'm going to golf. She goes, you're going to golf with anybody? I said, I'll just pick up a foursome. So I, I go down to the golf course, Los Serranos over here. And uh, I, I go in and I said, hey, is there a, a threesome that needs a fourth? And they said, there is right here. And these three guys, these three business guys were like, oh yeah, come be in our group. So I'm like all excited. Uh, and most of you know, uh, even though it's golf is uh, a love, it's even more fun to get with three strangers and share Christ with them, right? So I've learned this though on golf. You don't usually start out and tell them you're a pastor too soon. That like wrecks it. And I didn't tell him. So we start to golf. Very first teeing off, this guy's cussing. He's just cussing. And I thought, okay, it's, it's going to be getting real embarrassing pretty soon. Uh, so we make three or four holes. And uh, I say, hey, guys, what do you do? And they go, oh, we all work together, you know. And, and, uh, you know, we, and they actually were pretty successful. And uh, then they, they said to me, so Chuck, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. And they go, oh. And then one guy goes, okay, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. He said, you know, I can't believe it. Man, I, 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 I know I shouldn't anyway, but in front of a pastor using God's name in vain, I'm so sorry. And I looked at him and I said, well, you didn't. And he goes, oh, no, no, I did. I cussed. I used God's name in vain. And I said, no, you didn't. And his two friends go, oh, no, he did a lot. And I go, no, you didn't. I said, here's why, because you never said God's name. And he said, well, I said God blank, and he named it. And, and I said, well, that's, that God is God, but that's not his name. So you didn't use his name. So the, he looked at me, and he was very serious. He goes, so what's his name? And I said, I'm not going to tell you, because <laughs> I don't want you to use it in vain. But I said this, I said, but if you don't know his name, doesn't that tell you you do not know him? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Whole time he wants to know, what's his name? What's his name, you know? So here's the thing I want you to think about is that God's name is not God. God's name is not God. Uh, God is God. He's the only God, but his name is not God. Just like my wife's name is not woman. Like I could promise you when I get home tonight, I'm not going to open the door and go, woman, get over here. That's not going to work, right? She's a woman, but that's not her name. Uh, And so we need to understand there's something incredibly special and powerful and wonderful about the name of God. The Bible even says in Psalm 113, blessed be the name of the Lord. And whenever I read that, I actually think how many people read that, but they don't know the name of the Lord. Uh, And so I want you to think about that with me. So here's the question to think about. Do we know the name of God? Because God does want you to know his name. It's interesting when Jesus was talking to the apostles and they said to him, teach us to pray. Here's notice what happened in this moment. It says it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so the Lord's like, yeah, we're going to do this. I want to teach you to pray. And it says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, 
Hallowed be your what? Name. Holy be your name. That's what that means. Holy be your name, your kingdom come. Now the Lord's prayer is amazing, but I want to pause right there. He said, number one, you're praying very intimately, not just to God, but to your father. God's your father. And the second thing he said there is, very, very special and sanctified is the name of God. And when you come before the Lord, you come knowing how precious his name is, how amazing his name is. And, and when we talk about blessed be the name of the Lord, the idea is that, that idea is the name brings blessing. Just the name brings blessing. I asked these guys ahead of time already. But is there anybody here who, who you have a, a, when you hear a name, it causes you to have a cool emotional feeling? Jessica, I think you do. I mean, my husband, Stephen, definitely. I'd say I get excited when I hear his name. So that's cool. Okay, that's pretty cool. Because I got to be honest, when I hear the name Stephen, it does nothing. So... Uh, <laughs> Any, anybody else goes, Stephen, like, okay, no, but that, isn't that amazing? Like, Pam obviously does for me, right? And so uh, that's really, really true. Uh, Laura, I have a feeling there's a name that would give you an incredible emotional burst. Yes, Sagey. Yeah. Sage. Yeah. Which I, I totally, yeah, that, that happens, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Craig, what about you? Uh, I think when I hear other people talk about my kids, like, in a good way. Uh, uh, but that, I don't know, it just, it, it, it incites just a, just an excitement and a joy of, of, all right, well, maybe there's some good things going on there in, in the fatherhood and motherhood world. So, uh, mostly mom gets all the credit usually, so. Yeah, now here's the thing we know, by the way, and I won't get too far off on this, but even neurologically, if you have a name that's special to you, when you hear it, it, it excites something in your brain, uh, which creates this um, incredible euphoria in your body. And, and, but here's the thing we know, too. It can't just be the name. It has to be a relationship with that name. You know, Jessica, that's what you're saying. Uh, and, and so when, here's the thing. The name of the Lord should do that. Uh, the name of the Lord should have that same feeling. There's something intimate about it, something incredible about it. Uh, when my son, Tim, I think he was like three years old, Pam will have to uh, make sure I know that right timing. Uh, for some reason, I decided for fun just to start calling Tim, Timo. And so that's what I would do, say, hey, Timo, come here. Timo, let's do this. And I thought, to me, by the way, I thought that was a cool nickname. And after I don't know how many days, Tim one night is sitting with Pam and he goes, Mom, how come Dad doesn't know my name? <laughs> it broke his little heart. And so whenever he was in trouble, Tim, no, I'm kidding. I didn't do that. But, but isn't there something about, and, and I wonder how many times I'm serious that the Lord doesn't go, but you don't even know my name. I want to be closer to you. I, I want to have more intimacy than that. I, I want it to be more incredible than that. Uh, and God wants you to know his name. Uh, his name, and he has names we're going to get to in a few minutes, uh, but his name has meaning. And it's interesting, he not only wants to have you know his name, he has a special name for you. And I want you to think about that. God knows your name. God calls you by name, but when you get to heaven, you're going to find out that God has a special name for you. Uh, I, I almost pick up when we read the verse, it sounds like he's going to whisper it in our ear. Hey, come here. This is the name. Look at this revelation. It talks about that. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. So the Lord's going to you know, call Sawyer over and say, you know, everyone knows you as Sawyer. Look at this. 
That's your name. And, if, and to me, that's incredibly special. Uh, the idea that God wants that kind of a relationship with you. And I believe this, but, uh, your name will have a meaning attaching to the way God sees you and who you are. Uh, so, you know, all of us get names and our names have meaning. Uh, Natalie, uh, I shared this one. What's your name mean? Um, well, yeah, my name's Natalie and my name means born on Christmas. I love that. Her name means born on Christmas, which means you were born with. In December, but I was actually born yeah. in August. <laughs> no, I just think that's hilarious. It means born on Christmas, but she wasn't. Um, so, but, but, and Natalie's one of my favorite people, period. But I think that's kind of, and I love Christmas anyway, but what a kind of a cool meaning for your name, I think that. Sorry, are you going to tell us your name or not? What's that really mean? I'll tell you about it. I'm actually born on Christmas, so I should be Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> According to my mom, I don't know where she found this out. She might have made it up. Um, but, back when royalty would travel by like wagon, horse-drawn wagon, if there wasn't a path that was clearly paved, the sawyer would go out and cut down the trees and pave a path for the king to come. And she liked that image of, of someone going out and paving the way for the king to come. So that's what she named me. Whoa, kind of a John the Baptist thing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. So she did that on purpose, like with very real intentionality. My mom is very spiritual, yeah. She also, like I said, might have made that up to make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so he's saying tonight, I knew your, the, eye, the odds of your mom watching are pretty high. He said you could be a liar. No, not really, you didn't, you didn't say that. And by the way, I know your mom and the, that would not be true of her. Um, but, but here's the thing, you know, is that when you know someone's name, it really does have meaning. It's kind of interesting, my wife, uh, Pam, her name means sweet. And I think anybody who knows Pam, would you agree that really is a description of her? And uh, it's in the Bible, names had very important meanings. Uh, very, very important meanings. Uh, and so when we study scripture, we always stop and we find a name. We want to know what it means because somehow there's almost something prophetic over that name, something special over that name. And so God wants us to be able to understand that. But a name again is a, a way of creating a relationship that's deeper and better. Um, my legal name is Charles. Uh, but whenever I get a text, an email, or a phone call that starts out Charles, I know for sure it's a salesman, <laughs> right? Because nobody who knows me calls me that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, God, God is saying, I want to be on a first name basis with you. So when this study is, is, is it, it comes on, while we do this study together, it's the idea that you and I would understand that name has power. That name creates intimacy. That name is not just uh, informational, it's relational. And God created you so you could know him. And in knowing him, you want to know his name. Now, what you do need to know is in the Bible, get ready for this. God is known by 950 different names and titles. So, okay, so you don't have to know all 950. You're not going to get to heaven and the Lord says, before I let you in, you got to name all 950 or you go to hell. No, he's not going to do that to you. But it is interesting that, that God wanted you to know those names. Why? Because it reveals something very special about his relationship with you and the way he works with you. Um, one of the titles, not a name, that God is known by is Elohim. Now, Elohim is the Hebrew word for God. Uh, and God is God, but Elohim is not God's name. It's who God is or what God is. He's the only God and the true God. The name of God. The most used name of God. 
And the one that many of the names of God are compounded out of. In other words, it's the, the foundation is this particular name. And then it, out of that flows other names uh, that, that reveal things about how God wants to relate to us and have us relate to him. Is the word Yahweh. Uh, so Yahweh is one of the main names of God. And uh, in the English, Yahweh is translated, I am who I am. In Hebrew, it's Yahweh, or it could be pronounced Jehovah, by the way. So it's Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah. Uh, but the idea behind it in English is I am who I am. In Greek, and I'll get to this in a minute, it's ego in me. Ego amin. We'll get to that in just a minute because that is important to know. But, but the idea of I am who I am is this. He is the eternal one. He is the ever-present one. He's the one who is not bound by time. And so the idea is that you and I would understand God in that way. Um, I, I love to share with people in a lot of different settings that very often we miss God in the moment. We're going we're to hopefully tonight get to a scripture where where it said, God was surely here and I did not know it. It's actually the word is Yahweh was surely here and I did not know it. But I think that happens to many of us. Yahweh was surely with you and you didn't know it. Why? Because you were so focused on the future or plagued by the past. I think most of us live our lives worried about the future and plagued by the past. And God wants you to be in the present without worry. And he wants you to be in the present without the pains of the past. And see, it's interesting, even in his name, you hear that. Even in his name, you see that. And even in his name, you know that. And so what I want you to know is that's true of him. Also, the name Yahweh speaks to the fact he's eternal, uh, that he is not bound by time. You see, one of the things that's so incredible when you begin to understand the Lord, understand Yahweh, is this, is that he had no beginning and he has no end. Uh, every now and then someone will say to me, usually it's a, a, a junior high age person come up, feel like they're going to really, they're going to get me. When you were doing junior high, that happened a lot. I bet. Like they come up like, oh, they're going to say the thing to me I can't answer. And so the thing would, here's the, a lot of times junior hires would come and say, who created God? And I'll say, no one. And they go, what? And they're usually shocked. God is the unmoved mover. God is the one who began everything but has no beginning. See, God, by the way, not only created time, are you ready? God created eternity. So even the place of no time, God created. And the word Yahweh actually speaks to the idea he is the one who's always present every single moment, but he doesn't have to have a moment. Uh, And so it's interesting that that God is not bound by time. It's more like he has time in his hand, and at some point, he's going to end time. You guys know time's going to end, right? By the way, even Albert Einstein, who didn't believe in Jesus, he actually said, one day time will end. One day time will end. Listen to what it says about God in Isaiah 57, verse 15. For thus says the one who was high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. See, God doesn't live in time. He exists outside of time. He inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. And I love this part of the verse. Also with him who is a, of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You know what the Lord's saying there? He said, I, I love to live with humble people. Uh, this uh, Sunday, we're in the midst of seven deadly sins. We're going to talk about the deadly sin of pride. And we're going to talk about the cardinal virtue of humility. 
But what you need to know is you can't experience a relationship with God, uh, even if you know his name, if you're not humble. But God loves humble people. He loves to be around humble people. And God said, I could, I could go anywhere I want to go. Do you know where I want to go? I want to go be with humble people. And by the way, the, also the idea of contrite is people sometimes who are hurting. God is near, you probably already know this, God is near what? The brokenhearted, right? And uh, by the way, Tucker, God's near you tonight. Um, and, and some of the rest of you here and online, I want you to know that, uh, is that God's there. So the idea of Yahweh, he's the eternal one, the ever-present one, the I am that I am. And that name, I think this is worth noting, that name is used 6,828 times in the Old Testament. Now, you might say, it's that, there that many times? Well, this is worth your noting, and maybe this may be the most important not part of the night for some of you, is that every time you read in an English Bible the word Lord, L-O-R-D, capitalized, where all letters are capitalized, that is a reference to God's name, Yahweh. Uh, there is a, a Bible coming out pretty soon. Actually, it's being released in sections right now that went ahead and changed so it doesn't say Lord. It always says Yahweh in every single place. Um, and that'll be, that's coming out right now as a an really cool translation. But, but the idea is every time you see it capitalized, that's what it's saying is Yahweh. And so if it says Lord God, it's literally in the Hebrew Yahweh Elohim. Yahweh Elohim, Lord God. And so I, I think that's pretty cool to see that. And so let's actually look at a place where it talks about that. And it talks about that Yahweh is the creator of all. And it starts in Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, where it says, this is the accounts of the heaven and the earth when they were created in the day that, the, uh, that, the, that God, the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now, here's the thing. This word Lord, again, notice it's all capital letters. So it's saying this, that Yahweh God made heaven and earth. Yahweh God made heaven and earth. Now, now I'm hoping you're going to hang in with me to follow this reasoning through. That's very biblical reasoning. But let's pause for a moment on this. Yahweh God made everything, which means Yahweh made you. He made you on purpose. He made you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. He made you, by the way, to look like how you look. Um, and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I know some of you have heard this, but Pam said, honey, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't make it a cathedral. <laughs> okay, I'm the only one. I thought that was funny. And Pam's already in the chat going, I never said that. I know, but... <laughs> If Sawyer's mom can lie, so can I. <laughs> I'm kidding. I totally. His mom is, is like a saint. She, she really Tracy, is. Tracy's a saint. Okay, don't, don't yeah, talk that, about Tracy McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, can't get Sawyer in trouble. All right, so, but the idea is this, that he created you. Why? Because he loves you so much, he thought of you before you were ever real. Wow. He planned you because you matter so much. And when you understand even the idea of Yahweh, the ever-present one, he wants to be ever-present with you. You know, I love to say this because I think I'm right about it. God has nothing better to do than spend time with you. You're that important to God. And I hope you and I think, man, there's nothing more important to me than spending time with him. And, and getting to know him better and deeper and in a more incredible way. Now, now, where the reasoning of this goes is kind of interesting. So the Old Testament is very clear that Yahweh created everything. Yahweh created heaven and earth. Then we jump to Colossians. So what does it say there? 
it says Jesus, he is Jesus. Jesus, which by the way means Yahweh saves. That's his name means Yahweh saves. Uh, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Now wait, don't miss that. Who created everything? Yahweh. And in the New Testament, it's very clear that Jesus created everything. So what does that tell you? Jesus is Yahweh. And Yahweh is Jesus. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And don't miss this part. He is before all things. Jesus is before all things. And in him all things hold together. Uh, which I, I can't wait till we dig into that deeper in another study. But, but here's what I don't want you to miss. Jesus created everything, including you. And so what happened is Yahweh created it all and then he decided to come in human form so we could know him, so we could see him, so we could experience him. Why? If you haven't caught it, everything about the Lord our God is relational. And it says in John 17, 3, that eternal life is to know him, to really know him. Uh, And by the way, I do want to say, because it's so important, uh, the New Testament written in Koine Greek, when it says that eternal life is to know him, it's a Greek word, gnosko, which doesn't mean intellectual knowledge, it means experiential knowledge. It means to know by experience. To know because you're in the midst of things that are real and relational. And so it's it's just an amazing thing. That in understanding why is God's name important, it's because he wants to have this amazing, incredible relationship with you. So we see this in Genesis. Then we see Jesus more than once use the, the, the Greek, uh, it, when we study the New Testament Greek, use ego ami, which is the name of God, for himself. In other words, uh, Jesus would have spoken Hebrew and it, uh, it would have been translated into Greek. But then if he were speaking Hebrew, he would have called himself Yahweh. Now, by the time Jesus came on the scene, nobody uttered the name of God. And as a matter of fact, to utter the name of God could take your, they could kill you for that. You could be stoned for that. And so what they did is they were very, very careful never to say the name of God, which by the way is so intriguing to me because God wants you to know his name. God wants you to know his name. So what does religion do? Religion takes away the very thing God wanted you to know, which I think is so scary and sad about religion. Uh, but, but here's what I want you to grab hold of is that Jesus actually said, but that's who I am. So in John 8, verse 58, it says these words. It says, Jesus said to them, he said to the Pharisees, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, was born, And then if we were hearing it in Hebrew, he would say Yahweh. But he was applying it to himself. I am. And it's actually the Greek word ego ami. I am that I am. And so that's what he actually said. And so whenever he said that, everyone would have gasped like, oh my goodness. He's saying that he's God. He's saying that he goes by that name. He's saying that's who he is. By the way, in John 8, 58, the next thing that happens is the Pharisees picked up stones to kill him because they were so insulted he would even use the name, but even more that he used it of himself. That's what Jesus did. And seven times in the book of John, 
Seven times in the book of John, Jesus is called Yahweh. He calls himself Yahweh so we would know who he is. Uh, By the way, in John 6 verse 20, uh, Jesus is walking on water. And, and everybody's freaking out. They're just freaking out. They think he's got to be a ghost. And so what happens is uh, he actually says this word. He goes, ego me." In other words, Yahweh, do not be afraid. What was he saying to him? You guys, I'm God. That's how I can walk on water. The reason he can walk on water is because he's God. Uh, and by the way, God always does things to surprise us. Uh, which I think is so cool to know. And so in that moment, we see Jesus taking that incredible name Yahweh and applying it to himself. Uh, John 18, four to six is one of my favorite places. Jesus does this. They're coming to arrest him. And then they're gonna torture him and crucify him. It's all part of a plan. A plan, why? So he could cleanse you and I of our sins. So we could be forgiven, so we could know him. It's a plan all about relationship. See, that's the whole idea about the names of God is about the relationship. So Jesus, knowing all things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to the soldiers who were coming to arrest him, whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said to them, ego ami. In other words, he actually said the word Yahweh. Now what happens? And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. And then it goes on to describe what happened next. It says, when he said to them, I am, when he said, ego and me, when he said, Yahweh, they drew back and fell to the ground. He knocked everybody over. By the way, at that moment, he could have walked away. I mean, we know it. it, He could have called angels to kill every soldier there. He could have spoken a word and every one of them would have died. He could have, in that moment, knocked them all to the ground and walked past them all, which he had done on another occasion where people came to to do something to him. He just walked through the crowd. But he wouldn't do it because he loves you and he loves me. And if he had walked away from that moment, none of us could know him and none of us could go to heaven. So he stayed for the pain and the suffering, and the hurt. But he clearly pronounced who he was. I am who I am. I am the ever-present one. And I am the one who has come so you could know my name. And you could know me. And that's the essence of this whole idea why we're studying the names of God. And we're going to study at least seven names of God. I think it's going to be far more won't be 950, because the rapture will happen before that. <laughs> but we're going to do that together. But I think that you and I want to do something, at least I want to, and I bet you do too. You can't think about the wonder of Jesus, the incredible love of Jesus, and not want to worship Jesus. So let's pray, and we're going to worship. I pray right now that you would just touch our hearts. And in our heart and our spirit, may we know that you love us that much. You love us so much. And Yahweh, you know us by name. And you want us to know you by name. And you are the ever-present one and you're present with us now. So please, please move in such a way here and online or on the patio that people don't miss that you're with us. And we know him by a thousand names that we get to interrelate with God and interact with God that way. 
If that's not true for you right now, whether you're here or online, if that's not true for you, that you truly know him, I mean really know him, that you experience his love, that you've had moments he's spoken to you and, and, or leadership that he's taken in your life and guiding you. If you don't know him in a way when you're at that point where I'm not sure what decision to make, but you trust he's coming alongside you, he's gonna, he's gonna take you down the right path. Then what I wanna ask you right now is why, why, why stay apart? Why hold God at arm's length? Why not know that everything he does, everything he does, and everything he did, he did because he loves you. And he wants you to know him. So instead of holding him at arm's length, what if you held out your hands and said, Lord, come in. Lord, take me now. Lord, make me yours. Tonight, some of you need to do that. Some of you need to do it for the first time. Some of you need to recommit your life. But you know, it's the idea of calling on the name of the Lord and saying, come be my Lord. Come be my God. Come be the ever-present one in my life. Come love me. Come fill me with your love. Heal me. Free me from things. I want you to know this. There's nothing you've ever done where God has ever stopped loving you. And he never will. But you have a choice whether that love becomes very real. So right now, I'm going to ask you, if you're ready to either hear or online, pray a prayer with me where you say yes to him. Let's pray together right now. If you love the Lord, pray for people to pray this prayer. Pray for God to touch them. So Father, we pray. Abba, Father, we pray right now for people who need to open their hearts to you and experience your love. I pray there's something stirring inside, something moving where they're aware that you're there. I remember the first time I felt this, Lord. I I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was you, but I knew it was incredible. I knew it was beyond me. And I pray for some people who are saying, right now, this is their time, or, or it's a time to come home. Or time to be free, a time to be comforted, a time to have a breakthrough. If that's you right now, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me where you tell God, let's do it together, where you say to him that you want to commit your life to him. So actually start out with these words. Say, say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. And I pray you'll forgive me. And I pray you'll cleanse me. And I pray you'll heal me. And I pray you're going to draw me close. Draw me close right now. Make me yours. I want to be yours completely. And I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And amen if you pray that prayer.